0: shop of maniacs you're listening to another episode of shop talk show i'm dave uh wearing new pants technology rupert with me is chris in the booth coyer do they have a usb plug Don't me no. you have to plug no your no, no. In the usb
1: you know athleisure mm-hmm. it's sweatpants sure, for grown-ups like what people <laughs> yeah. wear yeah. yeah i assume it's a trillion dollar industry trillion dollar industry,
0: industry. I have a pair of athleisure, but they're just parachute pants. Like I'm from the 1980s in a breakdance band. It's great. I love it.
1: I do like how it ranges from definitely like sub Walmart. Like I feel like I could go to the dollar store and get some decent pants that are in the athleisure category all the way to the, all the way to the, like, you know, look down upon Lululemon style, you know, just like. Yeah. You go to Athleta. wide range.
0: Um, Ladies kind of have it made. Because you there, you you can you have business pants that are just just jeggings or whatever, but they they have little cuffs yeah. on the bottom and they can go to business. And uh, there's a little know,
1: place right here that's an Orange Theory and Athleta and Yoga Studio. See, just all three just, in one little building.
0: Turducken of health <laughs> products, lifestyle products.
1: That's so. right. Anyway, I'm gonna open a freaking okay. Jamba Juice right next door and make sure they. That's stay. it,
0: Chris. You got figure it figured out. You,
1: you find the market it's all about the com- brand combos. Yeah. Um, there was a little um, Twitter chatter I noticed yesterday about the oh no, fr- new frameworks are bad kind of thing, and some f- and they're always f- some of them are really heartfelt, mm-hmm. some of them are just funny. Yeah, you know. I think Eric Bailey had a funny one, like everybody reinventing PHP, you know, yeah, yeah. cause it's kind of true, you know, like the is a 100 years old and like does all kinds of stuff. And what if nobody did anything but that we'd probably not the way. If you replaced every different. curly
0: brace in all these n- template languages with like question mark PHP, <laughs> like uh, you yeah. literally not know the difference. I mean. Maybe some dollar signs missing. I mean, it would just look so similar, but...
1: Maybe not entirely fair. In fact, I saw, what was it, Devin Govet, Gauvet, whatever, had a tweet about ESM. things, And it was very, it was a little like, it was a little mad. It was a little like, was ESM worth it <laughs> tweet that I thought... Because it caused a shitload of churn. I mean, maybe not on the browser, because the browser just sits around waiting for new APIs and then you use them. But in Node land, it was a mess. It's still a mess. And it's been half a decade of a mess. And it's unclear whether that when that mess is going to be cleaned up. So like his point is 10 years of churn. Is it worth it? So you can type import X from Y? Was it? Uh, it's too late. The ship sailed. Can't A B test history, whatever. But
0: I you know, uh, he's intimately he works on parcel, is that right? Um uh, if that's I I believe so or or was involved maybe. Um you know, I, I just let's see. Yeah, let, maybe That's right, parcel. Okay, so fact checked. I'm fact checked, snoped you snoped me and I'm correct. <laughs> um, yeah. so he's maybe more intimately involved in the quirks and idiosyncrasies. I, I remember talking to Uh, I believe Bradley Mack um, about he was implementing ESM in node, you know, and he just was like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's not the same as require, you know? And so it had like a bunch of hair polar. I think it just, it was really
1: tough. And even if you get that perfect, that doesn't answer the, like, what about the million packages? Yeah. Yeah. That
0: are now written for the old style, but I think we're already getting a taste of what's good. I mean, we're starting to see like ES build is so good. It's so fast. It just
1: zippity doo you know. But doesn't it kind of not care if what's it's pulling from MPM is is ESM or not? Like it kind of just it like jiggers them to work either way. Yeah. So maybe we would have got that tool anyway. Yeah. I don't really. It's just interesting to think about a little bit. The, certainly having it in the browser is a good idea because I flippin' love it. Uh, maybe they did it just for me.
0: I think we haven't seen the full whatever manifestation. I think we're getting close to import maps. I think we're getting close to Dino style where you like import a URL you know, import foo from yeah. URL, and that's just what we do. You know, maybe it's your own URL. You never, it's probably unsafe to hotlink from somebody else's URL, but.
1: And I think browsers are pretty close to telling us, like, you know, you know, HTTP 2 was a big deal, and now browsers are boarding 3, whatever 3 is, mm-hmm. and you assume it's better, you know. Yeah. And saying that, like, you know, the days of bundling even being necessary or a good idea
0: are probably limited. Well, and in, in that too, like, maybe we overdid it. Like, we went kind of hyper <laughs> tiny modules, you know, like, this is left pad or whatever. And it adds a zero to your number, you know, like, maybe we overdid it, you know, maybe that should have been a part of a.
1: Like number extension or something, you know, like possibly. You know, it you know it comes to mind when you say that is how this conversation came up. I'm sure it's come up for a lot of people, but in our like code pen Slack, because we've been writing a lot of Go code. Mm-hmm. And Go has this, like, you know, the more or less kind of official stance of Go is, like, d- just cop- copy code when you need to. Like <laughs> You would say for left pad, it would say, yeah, don't – there should be no universal resource for left pad. When you want a left pad – put the function in that does a left pad right in the file that you need it in and just so be it so your the abstraction isn't hidden away from you i think that became kind of like the go way not that i should be speaking on behalf of go because i really don't know but that's but that's true and, and, and it's be, the language itself does like go does not have a map that's not a thing in go it's like write a for loop and do the thing in the for loop there's one loop primitive it's for use it yeah very weird very weird in javascript we're like give me the sugar sugar it up sugar town yeah,
0: i use i don't use <laughs> for loops anymore i just use um a series a series of russian characters that you know make it 10 times faster <laughs> you know so
1: that's pretty funny i i would about the node version thing it was interesting so some of that you know i started this thing talking about framework stuff i'm, I'm hoping to get To the level of talking about Astro, because it just dropped this last week and it was, it's, I'm like a little excited about it, you know, and I don't want to contribute to the like the world of you need to learn every new framework that drops in the world. You should feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but sorry, there's going to be some hype from me because I think it's cool. I don't care if you actually learn it or not, but I do think it's done done some smart things. I think it's a cool evolution. I think it's a symbolic of what's going on in web development overall, whatever. It's just kind of interesting. I spun up our little site quick. I can tell you about that. It's not useful. It's just a demo uh, and it's related to things we've talked about here on the show before. And And then I deployed it to Netlify, and it just failed. Build failed, dead. And you know, but interesting, I was able to get help on it really quickly. Notably because they have a Discord. Yeah, yeah. uh, In you know, like Shop Talk shows a Discord, Discord, as you know. So uh, if, you, if you were like, I'm not going to join the Shop Talk Show Discord because there's only, you know, why would I join if there's only one thing I have in Discord, you know? But f- for me, it's like there I have my video game, I have my framework, and I have my podcast. And now it feels very, very wholesome. Uh, like a nice little place in Discord. Yes, very wholesome. Their Discord is active and useful. Somebody noticed in the build logs that it was um, some flag got thrown for Node that said like turning on experimental ESM support. Port, and that would only throw if your version of Node was super old because ESM is just built into Node now. So they say, oh, you're in an old version of Node. I run NVM and for some reason the default Node on my machine is like 6. It's like oh, what? <laughs> super what? old. It's like 1970 you, Node. Yeah, or
0: you have to hand crank it or what is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Have to feed it butter out of one of those churn things while wearing a super long dress. <laughs> you have a dress. donkey huh? in your backyard that's... <laughs> <laughs> drives your computer. All I did was nvm use and I put an nvmrc file in it so that hopefully it like respects that when I go to that directory. I think you can put something in your package.json now too that says like node versions that, but I'm not sure how to get my computer to automatically switch to that version of NodeBull in that directory. I oh, nvm, nvm. But got, anyway,
0: it's like nvm local whatever 12. Thirteen or whatever, you,
1: but still, I like open it up in VS Code and then I type yarn run start or whatever or npm run start. It will be on the wrong version of Node until I type nvm use. What I want is when I open that project, it's already nvm used to the right thing. Oh yeah, you, that's like I want it to uh, be automatic.
0: You just need that nvmrc in there, and it should. You just it should do it, quote unquote. Need it, but but that that <laughs> tells the command line triggers it to do something. So.
1: I haven't actually tested the automatic nature of it. But anyway, then I deployed it to Netlify and it's fine. So it certainly wasn't Netlify's oh. fault. But it was—it definitely is a thing that they should put. And, you know, this is a brand new framework. So now they have to update the docs and be like, these are our supported versions of Node. Maybe even ship with an NVMRC or somewhere or something. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. So Astro,
0: you like it, huh? It's it's new uh, from Fred
1: K. Shot. Yeah, we've had Fred on the show before about Snowpack. So this was kind of a, let's build a framework on top of Snowpack a little bit. It certainly uses Snowpack. And in fact, at the moment, it uses Snowpack like too much. Okay. They run two Snowpacks Why while you're not? running Yo it dog. for some reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure why that's pretty deep in the weed stuff. I don't think you have to worry about it that much as a average Astro user, but that's where they're at as a framework is like early days. Let's fix some pretty serious rough edges and get it going. But to back up a minute, what is astro it's uh, you could almost think of it like uh, eleven a little bit and that it's designed to build static websites. And like 11D, that ships zero client-side JavaScript. Not that you can't put a script tag in your 11D site and run some JavaScript. You totally can, but 11 itself doesn't put any JavaScript on your site, which is different than something like Gatsby or Next or Nuxt or whatever. That that like it does. Yeah, sure, it makes a it makes a static site, but it puts its own JavaScript in there too because it. Hydrates and you know I know those things are optional to some degree, but the defaults are it's going to ship some JavaScript to, Mm eleven D and Astro ship none at all, none at all, zero JavaScript. But whereas eleven D is like I'm gonna you're gonna write in things that you really mentally expect to do that, like it doesn't feel like a stretch for eleven D. To me, it's like yeah, it runs Nunjucks. What that doesn't have anything to do with JavaScript, really. I mean, I know that it technically kind of does under under the scenes. But mentally, I think the model is, yeah, these are just some templates. They get smashed into HTML. Why would it need client-side JavaScript anyway? Mm-hmm. Like, that makes sense. But with Astro, you're writing components that look like a Vue component or like JSX or like a Svelte component. And when I say like, 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 I mean, they can be literally those things. And, or, and they have a format called .astro, which is their own version of those that kind of smashes all of them together yeah which is just really weird it is because it's like uh, very sad instead
0: of like a nunjucks where you put like yaml front matter to be like oh the title is this or something you know um astro files because you write like dot astro files um they they have kind of like yaml front script it, it's like Dash, 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 and then you just write JavaScript. So it kind of is like this single file component. I think somebody in the Discord mentioned it was looked kind of like Svelte, sort of, but like upside down or I don't know, with fences, you know? So
1: Yeah, it has aspects of Svelte for sure, and it has aspects of a markdown file, because it definitely has front matter, but it, like you said, it's not YAML, it's JavaScript. But it is within three dashes, which is more okay. <laughs>
0: OK. Yeah, so pretty yeah, <laughs> but it, I guess it's just a fence. I mean, it could be a script tag, but it's like a fence around like the script and the template, you know, and so
1: yeah, yeah. well, it can't be a script tag because it allows you to put script tags in the, in the down thing. in the HTML. So below that is just, quote unquote, some HTML. But the HTML is a little magic. Just like in Vue, it's a little magic. There's V4 attributes and stuff. Svelte has a little magic, you know? JSX has less magic for some reason. It's just like... But where Astro
0: and maybe other things are different is Astro's goal is to not spit out JavaScript unless you want it to, sort of. Like it just says, I'm going to just... Oh, you put a fetch in there, I'll go fetch, I'll execute the script, and then I'll render the
1: template or the partial that's cool. Like, it is cool. It it compiles definitely to HTML, like the output on it is HTML, just, you know, like Nextwood or whatever it wants. It wants to make a static template. And so data fetching is a part of that. It's a little bit of a mind trip of how this works to me. Like you, you saw, you could put a fetch for external data up in the fences of your component, you know, say, you know, remote data equals fetch, you know, and this fetch is like node fetch. It's like whatever it's not client side fetch like you might expect it to be you're kind of writing node up there yeah so if you do a console.log up there guess where it executes it's not in your browser so that's the kind of mind trip you can't open the console and see the console.logs from up in your fences you have to be looking at your command line to see the output whoa from that. interesting that's a mind better it is a bit of a mind bender to me uh, okay, so then you do that, and then and then the data is available for the template, which is pre-built then. That's happening during your build process. Mm-hmm. So then you were to deploy it to Netlify, it's not going to fetch anymore. The fetch happened during the build. It will not, there is no client-side JavaScript, so that fetch is over. That was a one-time fetch. If you want it to do a client side fetch, I think you could, but that's, it's just, it's not philosophically opposed. It's just not like the primary philosophy of Astro. I don't think
0: that's, what's cool too, is how it has built in hydration, you know, like in my opinion, a lot of hydration is kind of like just ship a static thing and then we'll just go do everything later, you know, but it's kind of like partial hydration. It's like, if you write, I'm looking at the docs right now, my component like bracket, open bracket, close bracket, my component, that will render the HTML only version. My component colon load, like renders the component on page load. So now it's a dynamic component. Now it's probably in JavaScript.
1: My component. Right, it's really easy to tell your component to be dynamic if you want And Then
0: my component colon idle will wrap it in a request idle callback. So it'll only render when the CPU is like, cool, I'm done with my jobs, what's next?
1: Uh, that's some next level fancy. Dude, shit.
0: Maybe I'm request idle callback, like in my spirit. Am, am I realizing that right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like my whole MO anyway. Uh, okay. And this is, uh, I've seen this person too. My component colon visible is when the intersection observer like when it's in the viewport, then it will fire. It wraps it in an intersection right. of observer, just like some people only do work when they're when somebody's looking at them. You know, like, hey, buddy, and how's it going? Oh, yeah, I was moment. totally just working. My thermostat is intersection of observer. So,
1: <laughs> uh, oh my god, yeah. When you you go to the doctor and you you just happen to be fine that oh, day, because yeah. the the waiting room freaking intersection observer fired. I say it's a call out moment because that does then inject a little bit of client side JavaScript because you know, it has to cause for, cause for the intersection observer, but it's pretty minimal of course. And it's not like whatever it's, it's just the way it is.
0: For me, it's like, I think that this is a framework for writing apps and even like you can use react and preact and Svelte and view inside of Astro files or inside of the Astro system. Uh, that's really cool more recyclability if like you're cl- you you have a design system in view and you have to like just
1: spit out a static homepage right that is notable isn't it so we talked about astro files they don't have to be astro files they can be view files. They can be .jsx files. They can be .svelte files, and Astro knows how to deal with them. I think it's limited to those three at the moment. It's designed, of course, because it supports all three to be very extensible in what the compiler is or whatever. Uh, I, I'm compiled. By, I'm compelled by the .astro files. I mean, if I was going to build a new Astro project, I'd probably use those because they look cool. And you know what
0: it reminded me of, .astro files, Chris? HTML mm-hmm. imports. What a novel idea here in the year 2021 that no one's talking about HTML imports and why that would be good. No one's ever done that before (laughs) on
1: this podcast in particular. I'm good. Fair, fair. uh, uh, there's weirdnesses. The props are weird, I think, but but kind of cool. You know, I'm so used to JSX where the standard procedure is to like destructure all the props in the argument mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm, component. Mm-hmm. So you know, and then you know then you know what you have, and it feels like a little menu of what's available to this a component. The menu then moves up into the into the fence above where you have to declare them all as variables that are coming in. Fine. It's just weird. And there's for some reason type which I don't totally understand but fine. Cuz it was like export let title colon
0: string or something I think was what in your little That's like
1: not it's like not typescript. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I don't know, maybe I haven't experimented that much but <laughs> This episode of Shop Talk Show was brought to you by WooCommerce. You know, it's a plugin for e-commerce for your WordPress site. I run it. On CSS Tricks, for example, you buy a sweatshirt, it's drop-shipped, so you buy it and... A company prints it and puts it in the mail and sends it to you. How awesome is that? Pretty cool, right? The sweatshirts are super nice. It's easy for me. You get what you want. I love it. We sell memberships and stuff too. With WooCommerce, you could sell a haircut appointment. Whatever. It's amazingly flexible in that way. You want to offer your customers multiple ways to pay. So you maybe you like throw the Stripe plug-in in there, and now you're taking credit cards. It's not the only one that can do that, but it's a super popular one because Stripe is nice. But hey, you don't want to lose a sale just because somebody prefers to pay with PayPal, right? Maybe they They just like dealing with PayPal. I've been in that mode in my life. I want to offer PayPal. I download the PayPal plugin. I turn it on in WooCommerce, now I can take PayPal. You know, there's some setup stuff you got to do, but I had a PayPal account anyway. It was no big deal. Guess what? They offer Apple Pay now too. That's significant for me. I just, I didn't just turn 40, but I wrote this blog post of 40 for 40, like thoughts from my 40th birthday, you know? Oh, me, Chris, I'm so cool. One of my wrote was... I never regretted being a lifelong Apple fanboy. I just kind of am. It's not like I don't like other platforms. I do, but I just like Apple stuff. I have their computers and their phone and their TV thing. And I just like how they look and work and do. And a lot of stuff that Apple does. They have this product called Apple Pay, which means like my credit cards are like on my phone. I literally go to the grocery store, buy my house, buy the stuff, and I just whip out my phone and double tap and do my face recognition thing so it goes through. And it's just a really nice way to pay. I don't have to touch anything. It's super secure. I put it on the credit card I want to put it on. It's just a nice system. Well, wouldn't that be nice if you could offer that not at my grocery store but on my e-commerce site? Yes, I can do that now with their integration. It's just a plug-in like the other twos are. Pretty cool. And now people that like Apple Pay, like I do, can check out from my store with Apple Pay. Cool. So remember in a previous show, we talked about Alex Riviere's um, Netlify thing where he made a site at first that did a client-side fetch, and it hit the WordPress API of CSS Tricks, grabbed some data, blasted it onto a page, and then he refactored it as a cloud function, then he refactored it again as a on-demand cloud function from Netlify. It's all very cool, right? Mm -hmm. But I was like, I could do that, but instead of doing it, you know, because it's like whatever, 50 lines a node, wouldn't you say that he did that? You know, you have to run the node fetch, import that, mo- you know, and then template it all out and all that. Um, fine, but this Astro thing is conceptually the same thing, only it runs during the build process and not as an on-demand builder. So it just moved where that happens to a different place, and I was able to build the exact same site pretty much. You know, it took me like 30 minutes. Yeah. And I've never used Astro before. So that's I'm a little like stoked about the Astro thing. It's kind of use
0: less technologies because you're not using the on-demand builder. You're just using the function basically or you you are still using an on-demand builder.
1: I don't think so. Yeah. No, because it's just static. It's just static files. And if you were to push again, because remember, Alex set up like a if this, then that cron, essentially, or maybe used a GitHub action. I don't remember which to just run every day and get the new content, break the old cache and then have the new one. This would this would literally be the same. You just run the build again. Yeah. And the build then runs again and breaks the cache and has the new file and whatever. I didn't even bother to set that up. So if you visit my demo, it will be the same content from the last time I run the build process, which I'm sure I will forget about. By the time you're listening to this, again. that was weeks ago. <laughs> so week, yeah, I know. I mean, maybe I'll bother to set it up, but this was more of an exploratory thing for me with Astro. But, you know, of course, you know, I hit a WordPress API to build the site. So doesn't that immediately make you think about, well, this could be a in for headless WordPress. That's a type of site you could build no. with this. And it yes. just feels so natural to me. What I'm big on is that building in components period. Like, I want to build that way. And the fact that I still maintain a WordPress site that's not done in that way, it's not, doesn't feel bad to me. Like, CSS Tricks is not, does not have any of this technology going on. It is just freaking PHP templates. The classic WordPress way. I don't necessarily regret it, but I do feel, feel the DX burn a little bit when I go back to it. Mm-hmm. Like, my PHP doesn't have prettier, so I'm, like, hand formatting those files, and I'm like, meh, meh minute there's no great hot module reloading. So I update some stuff and I go back to the browser and I hit command refresh to do the thing or wire up some third party thing to help me refresh the page. But it's not that like fast, good, refreshing experience that you're used to. Notably, when I was playing with Astro, it was b- broken. And they know it's broken. Okay. So there was no hot modular reloading in Astro okay. either. I assume they're going to fix that because they literally have to or nobody's I going think to use it. it's on the Those are like yeah. table stakes. I think, it's, yeah. <laughs> I think it says features. You, you got to have that these days. I'll tell you, I work on some two different Next sites recently. It's awesome. The freaking reloading speed and action in Next.js is awesome. Oh, excellent. Yeah, CSS you, you I change a hook in my react and it knows exactly what to do. I, nothing changes, I just go hit the button again and have a different console.log somewhere and it just fires. It's just perfect. It,
0: I use I'm on two next projects and it's the same It's some it Similar. can be surprising yeah. cuz I'll hit save and I'm like, "Oh, you oh, you just did it. You just knew." You know, sometimes it gets beefed uh like when you like add like switch to like scope styles or modify something like that, like the scoping, but, um, Oh, sure. And then, you know, all these tools are built on like a big web pack system. So they like, it's kind of hard to debug, you know, like you get an error and it's like error in runtime JS, you know? And you're like, Hmm, that could be a big one. Like, right. Might Mm. find that later.
1: So, but async iterator, remember Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's another kind of bonus thing. I was trying to ask around about that the other day because when you have an error in Next, they use some third-party thing, which this is what I'm curious about. What is it? Or did they write it or what? But it definitely feels like a third-party thing that like a really bold error message comes up as a modal with like a stack trace in it and syntax highlighted code that shows you the line of code that it broke on. That experience is tremendously good DX as well Mm -hmm. that I just don't have in other projects that I work on. And I freaking love it. It's so well done, you know, like any kind of autocomplete that if I,
0: so tailwind, I'm not the biggest fan. That's fine. If you use it, that's awesome. I
1: support you. Where are you going with that? I think it is built into Astro. If that's is
0: it? Well, I was just going to say like. Well, I think there's some kind of support. The Tailwind like autocompletes and stuff like that are really good. And even if you're like, like I feel like autocomplete and stuff like that like really enables you to write Tailwind. I, I just, I've been thinking about utility classes. I'm not sure they were like super <laughs> helpful until like we had really good autocomplete or if you're in the browser and you can hit the like class thing and like start typing a class, guessing a class. And then it will like show you which one Um, the autocomplete stuff makes like tailwind and stuff like that easy because you can just start guessing what it's probably called and then it'll autocomplete for you. So I just want to put that out there. Like that's a very helpful feature. So, and one day, I don't know. We'll all hopefully HTML or like web components or, you know, our own components, you know, they'll, like, do a good job at just, like, auto-completing the props that you need and stuff like that. I think we're pretty close here with
1: IntelliSense
0: and all that stuff. But,
1: yeah. You want to write TypeScript, you can write in TypeScript in it. You put a style block in it, and it's automatically scoped, like Svelte, and you can do in Vue. I pretty love cool. it. Oh, scope
0: it- styles. What another novel concept. Man, maybe some browsers should not implement it, you know? That would be good. Oh my god!
1: I've heard, I've heard, I've heard chatter. I think we're gonna get, get it. it back. It's gonna it's look coming weird back. Though, like everything. I think so. I think it will, as well as the like super weird Miriam Suzanne like like imported CSS at layers. Mm-hmm. You know that mm-hmm. like that's hard to describe. It's not loaded up into my brain at the moment, but I at one yeah because
0: you have her. I think her idea is like you have a hierarchy of what renders, right? Like the user agent style sheet and then the author styles and then the like browser or like user overrides and stuff like that. And I think the idea is you can create layers. So like if I know this is my bootstrap layer, I can say like, okay, bootstraps at this level, anything else should be above bootstrap. And, and if I write some bootstrap class, it should override the bootstrap class or
1: something like, right. So, but the point is that you could still load Bootstrap last. Like it, the source order won't matter, like it does now. Mm-hmm. You could be like, even though I've loaded this last for some godforsaken reason, treat it like I loaded it first. Yeah,
0: and then now my so stuff,
1: any, any other stuff, comes
0: it overrides it basically.
1: yeah yeah so it's not scoped but it's it helps with that stuff not as much as scoped does though scoped is amazing and we should do so even in astro i don't think they it looks like css modules but it's not really because the it's like view you know how satisfying view Mm -hmm. is because you can just you write a style block and you just target stuff above it you don't have to use a class in css modules you like have to use a class you know whereas in in view you just use whatever the hell you want to use and it scopes yeah, it, it
0: just kind of injects a
1: data attribute on everything that's yeah uh, Yeah. this does and it adds another class so it layers up the specificity of everything so even if you type like h2 color red in both the html and the css it'll be like h2 dot astro dash you know and then the css will be h2 dot astro and that'll do the color red so it like adds extra specificity but it does target it very, very specifically, the, oh, tailwinds in there. If you care about that, it has it ships a markdown component, so you have just import markdown from Astro and then do an angle bracket markdown and then just bleh, so like mdx vibes.
0: Yeah. Or, I mean, this is so well. You, if
1: you, you want mdx, know. then you import that, which is a little different because that that it's like markdown that also supports components inside oh, of it, yeah, it's really yeah, getting yeah, yeah. inception y. Right okay
0: yeah no that's true it'd be a little bit different but this just parses markdown i just that's great too like smart
1: of them to ship that because well that's why you'd use 110 right like i i have a or with the, one of these other ssgs i got a folder full of markdown files like you do for dave rupert.com anyway I, I need to use those mm-hmm. i can't just like change formats or go put them in a database yeah. or something i want my folder full of markdown files that's what i want yeah in astro i think you then you fetch them weirdly you know like in Eleven i think you make like a collection mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. don't you like specify where some crap is and it turns into a collection that you iterate on and i think astro you f- you fetch it but you don't it doesn't make a network request it's just like it's like an internal that's its mechanism for grabbing internal content
0: yeah i don't know exactly what Astro's doing yeah, in D, in you just c- can say, like, go get files from this folder and make a collection. So, and anyway, and then you iterate on that and do special things with that. So sorry to hijack that. We're half an hour into this thing, and I've, I've just... We're half an hour, but, you know, this is, it's just exciting. I mean, it's worth mentioning, too, the React 18 beta or alpha, I'm... I should know I'm a news podcast, but um, the new react is kind of coming out. So a, a version of that launched on the same day as Astro, which is kind of weird, probably enhance those feelings of like, I can't keep up this, you know, but um, it's, it's out. Um, and it, it has the suspense in there. So, so kind of similar. Oh, thing. they shipped it so, stable. Oh, I wow. Think, or no, not really. Cause it's, alpha. Yeah. <laughs> so stable ish. So, So that's, like, where you, like, go, like, suspense, this higher order component, like a wrapper thing, you know, wrapper component. And then so you write suspense, which is sort of like saying everything inside here is going to kind of change or shift around. But then you'd say, like, fallback equals, you know, squiggly spinner component, you know? Um, Skeleton. Skeleton component. And so you get kind of, like, a default, like, this is going to go fetch data sort of like in this partial hydration sy- system in Astro, when this goes to fetches data, you're going to like uh, do this instead, do this while that's happening or if it fails or whatever, just show this, you know? So I think that's really cool. So, and that I got me thinking <laughs> just cause it's, you know, and I'm coding in Nuxt and I'm like writing all these fetch requests to the API endpoints and stuff like that. I I was thinking about how much we have to, now that we're in client side development, we have to handle every single failure, the loading, the like error, the like, Oh, it came back with zero items. Like you have to handle all those states in every single component that fetches data. It's like exhausting to code, you know, of course I should be using X state, but I'm not. So I'm using like, if this dot is error, equals false you know like it's just uh i I just there's so many like i feel like when we did server side development php whatever rails you got 200s 300s 400 500 errors all for free out of the box like it just failed it gave you a big screen that said oops i didn't make it dude sorry you know or whatever right uh but Now you just have to handle everything uh, at the component level. It's just it's it's
1: a lot of work, right? And in my opinion, we have a very fancy component error wrapper machine at CodePen that we had to hand write. That's like if one particular component fails, that it will catch them. So it's a giant freaking white page of death. (laughs) Yeah, basically. But that you can import at whatever level you want it to. Because we have, for example, a little like you're looking at code pen you see the grid of stuff there's probably four of them that you're looking at that's four opportunities for something to be wrong no yeah you know what i mean like some kind of data discrepancy or something if something were to throw in there you could white screen the whole page because react isn't super cool about that you know it'll just be like oh my god i'm dead what
0: unexpected thing wrong sorry everybody we're done
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah So we have this little wrapper that's like, we'll put it around that, for example. Did anything at all go wrong in that component or any of its children, it just then doesn't render it. So it's just a blank space, but at least it didn't kill the entire page. And then it can throw it a sentry, too, and we can be like, what the hell happened? You know, we have some log of what it was. Oh, see,
0: that's kind of cool. The error logger, sort of.
1: A lot of times it's like something was deleted that we just weren't ready to have not be there. And I wonder, too, if I should wrap in that
0: or just like the the result is nothing, you know, if there's an error, you know, um, just pop it off the page. But usually you try to, like, render something like a title, like hoping that that's, then the magic, the content's magically going to show up, you know, and then it doesn't. So
1: anyway. <laughs> the trick is, Dave, just to put a question mark after every single variable and function that you write in your entire dance Yeah, group. yeah. is is nothing can ever be a problem error question like optional chain every yeah
0: that's good (laughs) i do have a few of those in there thank you for code shaming my code base but definitely use that
1: they have their place
0: (laughs) i have no idea what it's transpiling out to i i really should know but probably just a gross gross ternary operator but whatever it's fine
1: yeah I always think of them as objects only, but I watched a YouTube the other day where they used it on a a function, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting that you can you can check if a function exists before calling it with that too." It looks extra weird because you go dot question mark parentheses. Yeah, so the the dots in a weird place. I oh, think. really? Okay, it's not it's not question mark dot. It's not function question mark dot. <laughs> no, because the question mark I think is a valid could be part of the name of the function. Okay. Okay. So it has to be like dot question mark.
0: Um, I'm going to see what this. Oh, okay. All right. You want. So I just did foo question mark dot bar in the Babel repl. Right. Uh, yeah. And it.
1: Did it who compo- Is it
0: gross? It's kind of gross. It It's like <laughs> underscore foo. Cause that's what I called it. Right. Like it, it, it underscores all these variables. Right. Underscore foo equals foo equals equals null or uh, underscore foo equals equals void zero, question mark, void zero, colon, uh, foo bar. So, yeah, it basically just makes like a giant ternary uh, (laughs) that that it's kind of assembling on the fly. Uh, It's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's gross, but it's not the end of the world, so... Yeah, it just keeps like nesting ternaries to like get you there.
1: So, right. And there is a world in which you just don't transpile it because you just don't care. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just, I assume like not every browser on the browser spec is, is doing it, you know, especially if it's showing up in the REPL here by, by default, you know, but like, um, anyway, that's interesting. But anyway, not, not as bad as I like worried. So that's fine.
1: This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by CMS Hub, by HubSpot. Maybe you know HubSpot as a CRM. It is that. It has a bunch of different hubs, you know, hence HubSpot. (laughs) Uh, there's like a marketing hub, meaning lead generation and automated marketing type stuff. A sales hub, which is the CRM, which can does stuff like schedules meetings with your leads and provides quotes and stuff. They have s- other hubs. But CMS hub is what we're talking about. It's, you know, a content management software that's super flexible. You can build whatever you want on it. In fact, you know, it's like any other CMS. You work locally locally. Uh, using whatever tools you want and then deploy to HubSpot. So it's your host and it's like a framework for content. What's cool is that the CMS part of it is tied to the CRM parts of it, meaning that you can build a website that, you know, people log into and use in that way. But then you are also customizing it because you know who they are and the fact that they're a lead and you know some information about them, you can customize the website around that. Uh, That's pretty darn cool. Like, this is an interesting example. I think they have like a real estate site where you do normally you think of a CRM as people in the CRM, but in this case, there's properties are the things in the CRM. So, like 123 Elm Street or whatever. That way, the website powered by CMS Hub is grabbing that CRM data and making like a website of real estate listings, you know, but the real estate listings are in the CRM. So, they're like you're like gathering leads on it. Like, julie wants to go see the property at 123 elm street you know that i think that's uh, just a really cool and interesting idea it's loaded with other built-in features like this is pretty advanced style hosting they have serverless functions for example which is a pretty modern cool idea that i use all the time Uh, as membership management in there again these are websites you log into you know not just like brochure sites or whatever there's search built in, for example. You don't have to reach for some third-party search. They've got search handled for you with it. Uh, that's all I'll tell you for now. That's CMS Hub by HubSpot. Thanks for the support. Mm-mm-mm. Let's see. In other news, um, the big Apple event happened. We had a little Discord watch party. That was That was fun. fun. Yeah. Uh, Web wise, the the big things were the meta tag, right? Like the new design of Safari took some notes from Firefox playbook. I think the the tabs are now pills. Yeah, you might tabs are now floating. But there's very little UI. Very little UI. It feels like they even that was part of the hype videos, right? They had some like icons that like flew up in the air and then went into a hamburger menu, essentially like sick of those buttons. We'll put them behind another button and you're going to fricking love it. Love it. Uh,
0: There's tab groups. I think is kind of a big deal for Safari. Like, so like I will actually use this because I have so many tabs on my like iPad or iPhone, just, just thousands of tabs (laughs) at all times, Um, (laughs) you know, but like, and I can usually break down those tasks into like, I'm on a shopping quest or something, or I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm looking, or I'm just like, whatever. These are blog posts I want to read or something quest, you know? So it'd be really easy to drop those into a thing. So that's cool. But the, the yeah, that meta theme color stuff is really cool. And then there's also
1: like some implications. Well, it's extra cool. Be- that's where I was going with the minimum UI is that, so the theme color then can, can bleed up into the like the url bar and the, like the whole thing mm-hmm. if you set the theme color you basically your entire screen or definitely your entire browser window can look super integrated yeah it looks freaking even great the, i think even
0: the the whatever url bar is inside the tab when you click it like it's they they basically made it yeah, a one-liner cool. You know that's really
1: pretty cool, right? Very de- Chrome is now the one with the like, though. Oh, what's up with all the UI? Um, but it, but the Chrome being the last one that actually connects the tab to the content. But whatever, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll get down off my horse for a minute. It it doesn't. They didn't invent something. Kind of for once. Sorry, Apple, you deserve that. But. Android Chrome has meta theme color too mm-hmm. that sets the URL bar and stuff. So kind of Chrome did this first, and and Apple's just like, we'll use that same standardized freaking tag. Yeah. Thank you. Great. That's totally the way to do this.
0: Uh well, you know, the floating tabbies, the iOS is kind of an interesting thing because they they re- remove the location bar. There's now a floating tabby at the bottom of your of your screen that you click into in some ways this is awesome because it like maybe eliminates that 100 VH bug that we've all experienced, you know, like where you're like, make this a,
1: did they say that? Or is that my, my
0: theory because they've removed the Chrome, the, the VH bug was because you'd slide and the UI would like shrink and move and warp, you know? And so to me, it seems like it's maybe fixed, but if you ever like anchored tabs to the bottom of the viewport, which is what every blog says is better than the hamburger menu. Guess what? That floating tabby is now over your tabs, you know,
1: like it's over your your app tabs. So now we have. Do we get an ENV for it? Can we be like bottom ENV? So
0: we're recording this on Thursday (laughs) behind the scenes here, removing the fourth wall. Oh, that's right. Doesn't all this info comes out tomorrow? Yeah, I think Jen Simmons is doing an Apple uh, talk about how to style for the browser. So on Friday, so there, it should be up on the WWDC talks or whatever. So uh, uh, Gen smart. This has been thought of like <laughs> considered or whatever, uh, all things aside, I'm into kind of these uh, Firefox had floating tabbies too. Like I'm kind of into these radical kind of switch-ups just like, Hey, let's, let's just go funky with the browser for a minute. You know, I don't know. It's, It's not that radical. It's just 10 pixels of gap. But, you know, um, I just like let's let's just see it get weird.
1: So I don't
0: know. I'm interested.
1: So there's the meta theme stuff, maybe bigger. I mean, that's just like quality of life stuff, which is interesting. I don't know if just that would get me to like make my Safari my primary thing in part because you know, their dev tools are a little behind, I feel like, and, and and there's been, you know, Chrome's been innovating a lot there, and Firefox, especially for front-end HTML, CSS, people have kind of been the winner, you know, they had really quality stuff. Uh, so Safari is kind of the last of the three, really, so why would I use that one? I said, all day long, every day, that's all I do is front-end development, you know, but they've said that there's a bunch of good quality changes. I don't know what they are. I assume we'll learn tomorrow. Um Anyway, cool. Maybe they'll be really good. Maybe they'll just be usable and on par with everything else. That'd be cool. I always thought that there already was a web standard for web extensions already. Like, don't Chrome and Firefox? I think they're a little different, but they're largely the same. Yeah. Certainly, you see a lot more web extensions for Firefox and Chrome than you do for Safari. Maybe Safari was the... Standout holdout, right? You had to code something in Xcode to make it work or something. They're now saying that's not true anymore. We're going to use that same web standard too. Whether it's that exact web standard or they're evolving it or something, I, I forget. But that's freaking notable because if Safari can support all the same web extensions and everything, I mean, think of all the ones I use a bunch of them that I love. Ghostery, although that's a privacy based one. So there's something to talk about there, but one password is massive. Like I use the crap on a one password yeah. on my Mac, the notion web clipper, like, like I use app queues that code which is a, you know, just a, App, I don't have time to talk about all that, but you know, buffer. I, there's just a lot of them that are like, these are like life plugins. These are like, I need these to do my job. Yeah. So the fact that I could maybe port that all of them will be ported to Safari is like, if you're shooting for browser market share, well, good idea. And the kicker, they're going to work on iOS Safari too. Great. Good move. You know, this could be a big deal
0: for coil uh the web monetization platform because you had to use a weird browser you know like um so if they can roll out and i'm just plopping my whatever bitcoins and people's wallets my ripple coins
1: and people's wallets then great yeah let's go and they say that like mobile traffic now remember when it when it cusped over desktop traffic mm-hmm. it was like yeah it's about 50-50 now i think it's that was years and years ago now it's like 80-90 yeah i heard like global traffic of that stuff is it's it's a mobile world out there yeah i heard
0: uh or somebody was talking about that it's it's like shocked them that it's just you know it's 80% you know, i saw like a Lori Voss tweet yeah and it's and the like average dpi is like 1.5 like you know at least so, on all computers. Yeah. So, like,
1: even DPI is more, mm. you know? So, so, so we get all these extensions on iOS too, actually working one password. Oh my God, I just get the shivers. That would be, different, be awesome. Yeah. But we, what, what else can you do? All kinds of crap. Like, will somebody make actual dev tools? for ios safari that would be cool probably it's like view dev tools do or it charge like a hundred dollars for them or something you know not that i you know of course what everybody wants is to make them open source and free and awesome no that's great but it's going to be a bunch of work so you know get paid you put yo. the apple tax on there <laughs> so uh Although, you know, it was brought up in the Discord. I didn't know about this and ended up making a blog post, so semi sort of about it was that app Inspect, mm-hmm. which runs on Windows, which open that allows you to plug in your iPhone, USB, or whatever else, iDevice, even into a Windows machine and expect will see it and open up DevTools for that thing, Chrome DevTools. Yeah. So if you really like Chrome DevTools, which probably are the leader, like it or not, in DevTooling, now you can have Windows Chrome DevTools on a native iOS device. Like, that's unique. You should know that that's possible.
0: Coming from a person, as a person who, like, developed on Windows, you used to have to, like, you know, like, hey, can you pull this up, plug your phone in, into, and then open Safari DevTools and see why this doesn't work? You know, it was such a cumbersome experience to even get any amount of data out of the browser so or or even debugging you know chances are it was on safari desktop too so it's like oh this doesn't load in safari desktop it was like why you know so we had it was a issue to debug you know or like can you send me a screenshot of what this looks like you know
1: so you just punted you had no there was no there's
0: no solution and and i don't yeah I'm not having the greatest Apple experience right now in my life, but, um, but I just feel like, uh, like if Apple wants developers to support their products, like fringier products like Safari, you know, like they need to, you know, help, help people out.
1: So <laughs> give them the APIs to debug it, you know? Right. I think what people are maybe they were hoping for something a little more bombshelly, you know? I mean, there is a lot of criticism thrown at Apple period and particularly Safari because especially on iOS it just doesn't they don't there is only Safari for iOS and a lot of what people want is let me put Chrome on it, let me put Firefox on it, let me put an alternate rendering engine on it. Why on earth do you protect that? Like, that is the kind of, you know, just seem, it just seems unfair. We did not get that. There is no momentum that direction at all. It seems highly unlikely that we'll ever get that. And then the problem is, okay, well, if you're not going to do that, could you at least make it good? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, could you at least, like, be on par with APIs available elsewhere and stuff, lest you are holding back the web. So that's a whole thing. The canonical article there is Alex Russell's recent uh recent one, I can't even remember the title of it, but it's, it was, it was him, but not just, you know, fist waving about it, but just with a bucket loads of data on the APIs and when they shipped and what it doesn't have. and Like kind of
0: the history, like Safari's in an okay spot right now, but you know, it's the like historical sort of like, this didn't come out for like eight years, we couldn't use this or something, you know, because it just wasn't prioritized whatsoever, you know?
1: Right and for us web people we're like couldn't wouldn't there's still plenty of gaps like why can't i write a great web app and have a good install experience onto the home screen maybe even be in the app store maybe have the same quality of push notifications that native apps get there's still some some gaps there that that make the web a real kind of second class citizen
0: and there's you know like there's something to be said like if you want safari to get more Apple bucks use safari like they'll pay attention to numbers and they'll allocate people you know accordingly and, and time and money and attention accordingly so use safari that said safari on iOS a lot of people use it and you know developers are like let me do progressive web apps and that's just like cricket town so i think i think there's some good advice in like if you want it to get better use it and and like tell people to use it. Don't just use Chrome. Then on the, on the same side of that coin, I, a lot of people use mobile Safari and want features in mobile Safari and they don't show up, you know, some,
1: well, the things look positive recently though. I mean, just the extensions things, a big deal. That's a big thing. There's,
0: you know, I'm looking at the release notes here. Like there's, you know, top level weight showed up. That's good. Um, You know, a, a few more things. It's, there's, you know, I think we kind of, it's been in the kind of betas, but like they just did like focus visible, um, or so focus visible. Oh, that's made not
1: dropped it, yet, but I, I is working on it. Yeah. Right? I
0: think it's. Or, oh, but it's, but
1: it's in there. Though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then aspect ratio, um, lab LCH colors. So like a whole new color thing, Ooh. like it's going to get Didn't the, I thought they were first to
1: launch with that already, but they have even more now. I th-
0: I think, yeah, it's like going to be in there. Like. In, oh, they had like display P3 years. What was yeah. that one? That was
1: the first one. They yeah, had.
0: predefined, added support for predefined color spaces. sRGB, display P3, A98 RGB. <laughs> All right, we're done. I don't know what these are. XYZ sounds fake. But anyway, there are, <laughs> the, you know, Apple prioritizes what they want to prioritize. So like color and looking interesting, I think they just may think that makes a big impact. So it's more important. And it is, it's fun. It's interesting. I played around with it. So it's, it's fun. You so you can download 15. Well, it's, some of that stuff was in Safari technical preview. So, and notably aspect ratio, which will release me from my Fitvids Horcrux. That's going to be in Safari 15. So uh, come, come Mm. September, Chris, I, I, I'm, I'm free to spin up another open source repo. (laughs) So, you know. That's great.
1: Well, it was you who opened up Safari TP and then and then did the color contrast, color contrast which contrast, the which, world's coolest CSS function. You know, I
0: hope that makes it. I, I don't know if it doesn't. It's not listed here specifically, but that would be cool. So
1: yeah, yeah. You know, what's the other one that's so exciting? I need to look into this more. There was a what's his name Pollard, I think, wrote a smashing mag post. I'm trying to find it, but that's bad for. Yeah, Barry Pollard. How to fix cumulative layout or shift issues? No, that's not the one I'm even talking about. It was a Smashing Mag arg- article that Barry wrote about the new font properties that you put in. I think you put them in the ad font face. Uh, oh, I forget, yeah, but they yeah. they they do stuff like make your fallback font match the metrics of what your your the font that you're loading in is going to do that way. There's like no shift. It just like looks really, it's a really subtle shift from, from fallback font to, to correct font. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. This was one of my favorite CSS tricks of all time um was a video from the front end center that did this exactly. They use Monica, um, little font fallback tester thing and tweaked the metrics so that they were absolutely perfect, that there was no shift whatsoever when the, fall, when the new font came in. But it required the JavaScript font loader to do it, which is kind of fine. It was a pretty small little piece of JavaScript that could watch and change some classes. But that's JavaScript. You know, that's a little dependency. That's a little thing that can go wrong. That's a little technical debt. This is the same exact idea, just moved to CSS. So cool.
0: Yeah no
1: okay uh, it's cool that's it, it
0: exciting <laughs> that's a lot of stuff to drop that hey exciting times for CSS I in know 20, I know there's 20, so much one. to talk about all right uh thank you dear listener, for downloading the super catch your choice be sure Star favorite of this It'll be fine about the show follow us on twitter at shop talk show for 10 streets monthly and uh <gasps> oh join us on the discord uh patreon.com slash shop talk show uh, hop into the, 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 the discord Chris if you get anything else I'd like to say
1: yeah I know that it's getting more and fun every day in the in the discord oh ShopTalkShow.com.